0: Hi, sweet ladies! You are listening to Bold Is, a women's ministry podcast with the goal of helping you learn the Bible verse by verse. This season, we are working our way through the Gospel of Mark, and before we get to that, I want to let you know that everything we do is 100% free. If you believe in what we are doing and would like to consider helping support our ministry, would you pray about joining us as a sponsor? We would love for you to subscribe to our Patreon, which is a community of folks just like you with plans ranging from $1 a month to $25 a month. Your monetary donation gives you access to discounts on our merchandise, additional resources on our website, and early access to all of our content. With your support, you are ensuring that we can effectively deliver daily content to help women better understand their Bible, which in turn creates disciples who impact the kingdom in greater ways. We also have merchandise available on our website at wwwthebullmovementcom forward slash products. When you receive your new shirt or hat, take a photo and tag us on social media so we can see how great you look in it. If you cannot afford to help, we ask that you send us some love by praying for our ministry. Okay, friend, are you ready to devour Mark 5? You are listening to Bold Is. A ministry podcast training women how to handle the Word of God. Buckle up, sis. It's about to get real. Here's your host, Megan Rawlings. If you're new here, welcome to the podcast. Our goal is to walk you through scripture verse by verse. So what we're going to do is read a section of chapter 5, and then we're going to try to break it down for you. Just an FYI, it is super easy to take scripture out of context. So make sure that today, before you really dive into chapter 5 with us, you read a little bit before the section and then a little bit after, just to ensure that you are reading it within the correct frame that the original author intended. Ladies, let's get started. I'm going to be reading from the ESV, or the English Standard Version. This is the Word of God, and it is profitable for you. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Matthew's gospel tells us that there are actually two demon-possessed men who meet Jesus when he arrives. But Mark and Luke tend to focus on just the one who speaks more. He lived among the tombs. Here is some food for thought for y'all. Did you know that the Jews avoided dead people like crazy because it made them unclean? Numbers 19:11 says, "Whoever touches the dead body of any person shall be unclean for seven days. For Jesus, who was a Jew, and his disciples, who were also Jews, to be near a man who was living in the tomb was in and of itself taboo. However, They were in a heavy Gentile populated area, so it was probably pretty normal for the rest of the folks in that countryside. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones." I don't know how familiar you are with demonology, which is um, a fancy way of saying the study of demons, but I did a little research and wanted to make the following known. Baker's Dictionary says demons are created beings, personal, immortal, and incapable of reconciliation with God. They have great power as compared with humans, but little power is compared with God. God has given us authority over them so that in the name of Jesus, they must obey God's people, even as they must obey the Lord himself. Now, to be fair, there is nothing in Scripture that discusses explicitly the psychology or physiology of demon possession. But verse 5 gives us an indication that the demons possessing this man were capable of really harming him. Perhaps their hostility towards God this man is rooted in the fact that he was created in the image of God. Verse 6, when he was Je- And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Guys, I want to pause here for a second and discuss something with y'all. The demons who were possessing this man believed and knew that Jesus was Lord. They even confessed it. They were even talking to him. Does this sound like prayer to anyone else? However, there is no redemption for them. Second Peter and Jude tell us that God did not spare them. So think about this. How amazing is it that the first time these angels sinned against God, He cast them out of His presence and condemned them to eternity in hell. However, when we sinned, instead of separating us for eternity, He became one of us and lived a perfect and sinless life to take our punishment so that we could have the opportunity to be forgiven. Mind blown yet? Let's continue in verse 8. For He was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit, And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. Are you aware that a Roman legion could consist of as many as 6,000 men? That means that it is possible for the amount of demons in this man, it could have been up to 6,000. I say up to 6,000 because there is a possibility that this is spoken in hyperbole. Let's go to verse 10. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it to the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, that one, the one who had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. My boy Weersby did it again, and I can't wait for you all to hear the insight that he gives. So listen to this. He says, First, he demonstrated that he, being Jesus, demonstrated that the demons were real and that the deliverance was genuine. Second, he gave vivid proof that Satan is a destroyer and that to Satan, a pig, is as good as a man. If you surrender your life to Satan and sin, you end up living and dying like an animal. What a warning this was to those who saw it, but apparently they did not take it to heart for they asked Jesus to depart from them. As the Creator, Jesus owns all things and can dispose of them as He sees fit. Finally, the destruction of the pigs revealed the spiritual condition of the people of the district. They would rather have their swine than have the Savior. Money was more important than the healing of the two men or the salvation of their souls. He also said, Our Lord does not stay where He is not wanted, so He left. Verse 18 As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Okay, guys, why did Jesus say no to this guy? Are you ready for this? (laughs) Because sometimes... God uses you in the very place you destroyed your reputation. Listen to me. Jesus knew that this man was going to be most effective in sharing the gospel in his hometown. Girlfriend, sometimes we are most effective sharing the gospel in our hometown. And hear me out. Authentic Christian living starts at home, where people know us best. As Wearsby says, If we honor God there, then we can consider offering ourselves for service elsewhere. This man was such a mess that his local community tied him up in chains and let him live in a tomb. Think about that. A tomb is where you bury dead people. They were essentially saying, you are dead to us. But by the mercy of God, Jesus healed him and then used him. And by God's mercy, Jesus can use you right where you are with a forgiven bad reputation and all. Here's the hard part, friend. This usually happens slowly. So do not be defeated if it takes time for people to respond to the change that Jesus has given to you. Show them every single day the mercy of God. Let's continue discussing his mercy with Jesus healing a woman and Jairus's daughter. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him he fell at his feet, and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and alive. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had been at who had had discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Let's talk about that. First of all, there is a huge contrast between these two folks, and it just shows the unconditional love that Jesus has for everyone. Jairus was an important synagogue official, while this woman was an unidentified person. Yet Jesus met both of them where they were and helped them with equal interest and love. Jairus was losing his daughter who had been his pride and joy for 12 years while this woman dealt with bleeding and was trying to find healing that she suffered for 12 years. Let's continue talking about this woman for a minute. 12 years of bleeding in and of itself would be terrible, but on top of that, she was more than likely a Jew. This means she was unclean for 12 years. When you get a chance, read Leviticus starting in chapter 15, verse 19, and go ahead and read on a few verses. You will understand the conditions that she had to live in because of her bleeding. For example, she could not sit where anyone else would touch or sit because they would then become unclean. If this was an ongoing period, she would not be able to sleep in her household for 12 years. She was not able to worship at the temple for 12 years. So there are a lot of spiritual and mental effects happening in addition to her physical ailment that doctors couldn't fix. Mark also tells us that she spent everything she had on doctors. So not only was she spiritually, mentally, and physically drained, her bank account was too. She was completely broke. Verse 27 says, She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flood, the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garment? The first time I read this, I thought to myself, come on, Jesus, why you got to call out a sick woman? But after doing some studying, I see that there's more to it than that. Jesus wanted to be more than a man who healed her. He wanted to be the savior of her soul too. That's pretty cool. Verse 31. And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the rulers of the synagogue, and Jesus saw commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Okay, first of all, I want to talk about Jairus. This man was an important official at the synagogue. Jesus, at this point in his ministry, had raised some ruckus within the synagogues by teaching things that they did not necessarily approve of. For Jairus, this reach out to Jesus means he was willing to lose friendships and respect for the sake of his daughter's health. He came to Jesus in desperation, similarly to what we do. And you know what? Jesus was still there, ready to meet him and help him in his time of need. Let's go on to verse 41. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Wow, what an amazing physician. We have one who heals us in our desperation and heals our souls as well guys that's all i got for you today we'll be giving away one of our t-shirts soon to be able to be entered into the drawing on october 1st make sure you subscribe rate, and review our podcast and please check us out at www.theboldmovement.com ladies remember go out and be bold